Hello, Feisties. I'm Sarah Gross, CEO and founder of Feisty Media. And I'm here to tell you that our foundational strength training course, Strong, is on sale now through April 10th. If you're like me, you probably get a lot of crap in your Instagram or Facebook feed telling you how you should look or how you will feel if you look a certain way. As summer approaches, this only gets worse. We are told we should have a quote unquote summer body as if our bodies somehow morph into something completely different just because the weather changes. And frankly, over here at Feisty Media, we are totally sick of it. Because at Feisty, our vision is to build an empowering culture for active women. We want to shift our attention away from what our bodies look like and focus instead on what our bodies can do. Especially during the summer months, when having the physical strength to do the activities we love is so important. The Strong Course is designed to take any woman, regardless of your starting point, through everything you need to know to level up your strength training journey. It includes a 16-week program to help you progress from wherever you are to lifting heavy or heavy-ish with dumbbells or a barbell. It also includes modules on the physiology of strength training for women, nutrition, how we keep ourselves injury-free, and more. I want every woman to be able to do the things that bring her joy and be strong enough to do them for life. Enrollment in this course is now open and you can sign up and learn more at womensperformance.com forward slash strong or check the show notes of this episode for the link. And for those of you who are among the 800 women who have already taken the strong course with one of our previous cohorts, congratulations on taking the plunge. And to the rest of you, see you in the course in April. Make this summer your strongest and best ever head over to womensperformance.com forward slash strong today. Hey, feisty friends, welcome to the feisty women's performance podcast, where each week we deliver trusted information for women who want to get the best from their bodies throughout their lives. Learn to feel and perform your best through our four pillars of performance, physiology, nutrition, mental health, and culture. I'm your host, Sarah Gross, and this is a Feisty Media production. Hey, Feisties. Welcome to episode seven of the Women's Performance Podcast. I can't believe we're on episode seven already. We're going to be like in double digits before we know it. I hope everyone enjoyed last week's episode with Carla on hormones. Um, if you have follow-up questions about hormones, just send me an email, sarah at livefeisty.com, because I will definitely be having more hormone exp- experts back on the podcast. It's hard to say. It's hard to talk in the morning. Hormone experts back in the weeks to come. But for this week, I have just reviewed the interview that I did. I won't tell you who it is yet, but I actually, the second time around, I was actually blown away by how much I learned about mental fortitude and grit. Even as someone who, you know, spent 14 years training day in, day out, has done probably 30 odd Ironmans, I felt like I had a lot to learn when it comes to mental toughness. 
But before we get started, I want to let everyone know that our scholarships are now available for the Women's Performance Summit um, on March 25th to 27th. So the summit is virtual. Uh, you can watch everything online. And when you sign up, you can watch it for the whole year. You can watch it on the weekend with us, which is the most fun way to do it. But you can also watch it all year. Uh, we always want to be everyone to be able to attend who wants to attend. So we have a bunch of different scholarships available and you can apply for those now on our website at womensperformance.com. Okay, so our interview for this week is Lael Wilcox. And Lael is an ultra endurance bicycle racer who won the Trans Am bike race in 2016. Um, she was the first American to win, but she also won outright, which means she like beat all the boys too. And, and her and I talk about this, but it gives me like childish joy a little bit to find these stories where women are out there winning races outright. Lil also won the Tour Divides women's course record on an individual time trial in 2015. And she set the overall course record on the Baja Divide route. And as you will see, Lael is full of energy and always giving back. She's the founder of Anchorage Grit and now Tucson Grit, a program designed to get more girls on bikes. Lael and I talk about what it really takes to win a bike race that goes clear across the country and what, is, what her mindset was and how she did it. And we talk about how she, throughout her career, has made the people around her question their own beliefs about what women are actually capable of, including a small group of men from Israel who, who somehow thought she was a genetic mutation. Lael also gives her advice for girl parents and is one of our main stage speakers at the Women's Performance Summit. Hope you all enjoy our conversation. Hi, Lael. How's it going? Oh, it's going great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you here. I think like for me, one of the re the reason I'm so excited to have you is because like the idea of like winning a race overall and like frankly like beating the boys, it like appeals to my inner child like imagination, <laughs> you know? Totally. I mean, for me that's one of the most motivating and exciting parts of endurance racing is that I can beat all the men. You line up together, the gun goes off, and then you're like, all right, who's going to make it across the country 4,000 miles first? You know, and all the guys are like, oh, you're such a wimp. You're not going to make it the first day. And I'm like, you watch. <laughs> get you. I'm going to get you. <laughs> I love that. Okay. <laughs> like, so, okay, for our listeners, um, what is the Trans Am bike race? Because I want to go there um, to, to that win for you. But what is the bike race first? So everyone yes. understands. So the Trans Am bike race follows uh, the Trans America bike trail, which was the first a bike touring route across the U.S. Uh, in the 70s. And it's 4,200 miles from Astoria, Oregon to Yorktown, Virginia. So it takes kind of a meandering route. Um, so the race follows this touring route that most people do in like four months. Um, but then we set off to ride it self-supported. So it's different than Race Across America because it's self-supported. That means you can't get any help oh, along the way. You have to right. carry everything you need you can use like commercial resources, like grocery stores, bike shops, but they have to be open to the public. You can't have somebody meet you with a sandwich or say you could stay in my house or any of that stuff. Right. Uh, so it's gotta be like individually done. So, but basically you line up with 
all these people that are racing and then you start together and then it's a continuous clock. So whoever makes it across the country first wins. And then along the way, it's like, you have mechanicals, you have to find where to sleep, what to eat, you know, all this stuff is, is part of the, is part of the race. It's pretty wild. Cool. Okay. And I'm going to get back to the beating the boys part, but I have some follow-up questions there. So can you like ride with a credit card? You can go like, can you go stay at a hotel during the race? Exactly. Yep. So you could stay at a hotel, you could, you know, eat meals in a restaurant, um, it's all fair game. You can sleep on the side of the road. You know, it's like, however, there aren't really any rules beyond that. You can't get like individual help. You know, you can't have like a sport vehicle or have friends meet you or anything like that. But otherwise it's like commercial resources are fair game. Right. So then when you do, do you go in with a plan, like how, where are you going to sleep and, and that kind of thing? Or do you just like a free for all you figure it out as you're going? Yeah. I kind of figure it out as I go like that, because it's like maybe day one, you have like a kind of more or less of a goal of where you want to get to that day. But then mm-hmm. the following days, it's like so much could happen out there that, you know, it's like, it's, it would be hard to make a plan. I kind of have like overall ideas, like the transient bike race. I slept for the first part of it, five hours a night. So I know that that's what I was going to do. So basically I'd lay down, set my alarm, wake up in five hours and go again. Uh, but not much more than that. Right. So uh, when you say lay down, are we, are we like, <laughs> I'm assuming you're not like at a comfy <laughs> sofa I mean, somewhere. So when I raced that, it was 2016. I still have a flip phone. Like I didn't have a smartphone. I didn't have anything. Whoa. And I was like, but I was sponsored by Specialized. So I had this really sweet road bike mm-hmm. um, with electronic shifting, but it was my first electronic shifting bike. So I thought the battery would last like halfway across the country and it didn't. So then I was out there on like day four, the battery dies. And I was like, oh no, what do I do now? Because it's like, it's not broken, but basically you're single speed then. Yeah. Like you can't change gears. So then I was like, I have to go somewhere where I can charge it. (laughs) I have to plug this thing into a wall before that. I've been like sleeping in like gravel pits, basically (laughs) I just pull over. I didn't have a sleeping bag. So I just had this emergency bivy that I was like, basically a plastic bag I would crawl into. It was terrible. But then after that, I was like, I have to factor in staying in like some motels because I've got to charge this thing. And I can't like, I have to kind of multitask. Like I have to charge it while I'm sleeping. Mm -hmm. Otherwise I'm wasting time, you know? So then I started staying in some motels, but then I'd like have to find them, you know, because I couldn't like look it up on my phone. Right. (laughs) I had a flip phone. So I'm like getting to a town. I'm like, okay, just like scanning the streets. Like (laughs) where's like sunset motel, you know? And then it's like, get to the front desk at like, you know, midnight and like hope somebody's there and you're like, oh God. Uh, So that became part of it. But then I found out like, actually, I always thought staying in a motel would waste time because you have to check in, you know, that takes time. But then I realized like you actually sleep like a dead person if you sleep in a bed and then Mm -hmm. you like get up and you don't have to unpack your stuff and repack. So in the end, I think it was like basically just as efficient. Yeah. That that was the learning experience for sure. Right. Did you say that was 2015? 2016. That was 2016. So this is the year that you won? Yes. Overall. So you were out there like stuck, stuck for part of the time in a single gear. (laughs) I mean, all this stuff happens in that race. Like my seat post broke in like, (laughs) I mean, probably Kentucky or Illinois or something. Seat post broke. Uh, So I had to ride standing up for like 50 miles. 
because I had to get to the next town with a bike shop. I was like, fuck, like, what do I do? I have to get to this town and I have to like basically sprint there because it was like getting into the evening. I'm like, they're not even going to be open. And then Mm -hmm. I'm going to be stuck in this town waiting for the bike shop to open. I can't lose that much time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's like stuff like this would happen where you're like, oh, no, what do I do? But you just deal with it. You know, it's like it's still somewhat workable just standing up. Yeah. Wow. So I, I used to do Iron Man for in my career, right? And it was that same kind of thing, like your ability to problem solve was actually part of the race. Like mm-hmm. not to the same level. Like what you're saying right now is blowing my mind. Cause I know like I, I've coached a lot of athletes who say, Oh, I dropped my nutrition and that ruined my race. And I'm like, yeah. okay, how do we get you to the place where dropping your nutrition doesn't ruin your race? Because that right. kind of shit's going to happen in, a, move in a day long yeah. race. Right. But yeah, this is like the next level. Like literally like, <laughs> yeah, I know you could be searching for a bike shop oh, in the middle of a God. race and you're sleep deprived and you're like, Oh man, like you're so mentally out of it. And then, then something bad happens and you just have to kind of, and also you're stressing because you're losing time. Mm-hmm. You're like on the side of the road, like, Oh man, I slashed another sidewall. And now I'm like sticking a dollar bill in my tire dealing with, cause I had tubeless, uh, too. And I was like, yeah. oh, tubeless road is going to be so awesome. Cause then I'm never going to get a flat. Well, turns out I slashed two sidewalls. So I'm like, that was right. a waste. Cause it's yeah. a mess. And then you have to put a tube in anyway. And then you have to go to the t- next town and look for a bike shop to buy a tire, you know? So I was like, forget it. Just use tubes, not worth right. it. But I learned that on the road, you know, yeah. Like, this kind of stuff. Yeah. And then you're like, it takes an hour and you're like in the beating down sun or in the dark with like this huge mess, but then you just can't be like giving yourself a hard time for what happened because it's like, whatever it's, it's happening to every other race or two. Yeah. Everybody's doing like making mistakes or having problems. Like it's also like the route's not signed. So we make all these wrong turns. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, oh my you're... God, I was going down this road for 10 miles and it's the wrong way. So then you have right. to turn around and go back. Right. Like, God, stuff like that. You're like, I could have slept for an hour instead mm-hmm. of doing that. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's just part of it. Everybody, everybody does this stuff. Wow. So. You just like put my whole life into great context. Like the times <laughs> I remember, like, like standing in the pouring rain and getting a flat and thinking that was like, the worst thing ever on a two hour bike ride or whatever, yeah, but, but it still sucks every time. <laughs> I mean, that's terrible. You're like, God damn it. But You're at like, least I, I got to go home to a bed. Yeah, that's <laughs> <No>. true. <laughs> that's nice. Right. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then you're like waking up in a dirt pit and you're like, Ooh, where am I? Wow. Okay. All of these stories already. Okay. So this is 2016 when you like, you're out there. Did you, when you got to the race, did you think, okay, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to win overall. Yeah. Oh Oh, yeah. Amazing. This is ridiculous though, because I had like, I'd done one other road race in my whole life, which was a 400 mile road race Mm -hmm. that I had borrowed my mom's bike for. That was in 2014. That was like my first race. And I was like, uh, with that one experience, I was like, oh yeah, I'm totally going to win. <laughs> I'm going to win this whole thing. I'm going to beat all the men and I'm going to break the course record. Right. I like set this up, like talk about shooting for the stars, you know, but I was like, basically I was like, I'm doing that. Right. Um, and then I get into this race and I was like, you know, 
day five, I was like, oh my God, this is so hard. It was a heat wave. The people that were winning, there was like a man and woman that were 150 miles ahead of me. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm such a loser. (laughs) I was like, why like suck at this? They are crushing me. Like I'm never going to catch them. But the thing was they were sleeping like one hour a night. Right. And I was sleeping five. So I was losing all that time. But it's like for a race that this race in the end took me 18 days. It's like Mm -hmm. they got into such a deep hole from not sleeping so early on that it was like over time I could catch them. Right. So I just stuck with my, my like agenda of like five hours a night, just keep going as hard as you can and then see what happens. Yeah. And I kind of, I read that story this morning about how you did eventually overtake the leading man. Do you want to tell us that? It's kind of cool. Yeah. So then, okay. So there were these two man and woman super far ahead of me. I catch the woman in like Colorado before the halfway point, which was Kansas. Mm -hmm. And then at the halfway point, uh, the guy who was still in first, like he realized how kind of close I was getting to him and he stopped sleeping at all. Like he'd only take cool. like cat naps. Cause he was, I think he was so terrified. I was going to get him. Yeah. Cause he was like, I can't let this woman beat me. Right. Um, but then I was just like kind of gaining on him, which uh-huh. even thinking about it, I'm like, I was like hunting this guy down. Right. Well, like, it's a race, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a race. Like that's fair. But you think about yeah. like the mental place we both were, it's like, Ooh, that's so weird. Right. Um, anyway, so I get, I'm, gaining on him, but he's still ahead of me. And then like basically three days from the finish, I still had like 750 miles to go. And I was like, I have to start cutting sleep if I want to catch this guy, because there's no other way I can do it. Uh, so then I, I started cutting sleep the final three nights. I slept a total of six hours. Uh, and I caught wow. him in the last night at like three in the morning. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I caught him. He was, so we had both woken up to continue. He woke up and he was so out of it. He started riding the route backwards. He rode 10 miles backwards oh, no. and I caught him and he turned around and started riding next to me. Uh-huh. The thing was like, I see this guy in the middle of nowhere in, in the middle of the night. And I was like, who the hell is this? Cause I'd never seen him before because he'd always been ahead of me. So I had no yeah. idea what he looked like. Yeah. And then I asked him what his name is. And he says, Stefan. And then I was like, Oh my God, this is the guy I've been chasing. Right. I had no idea. He went backwards. I was like, I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. As soon as he said his name, I started sprinting as fast as I could, <laughs> which at that point, like, <laughs> you're just like, Three in the morning, we still have 130 miles to go. And I was like, I'm going to fucking win this race. And I just went for it. Uh I mean, like, I was like, I I was acting like when we were at the finish line, oh my God. And then, um, and then he was like, he was like catching me and then I'd ride harder. And then I took a wrong turn Mm -hmm. and he shouted, you know, it's this way. And so then I come back, I go back, catch him. And then he's like, let's talk. We've been battling for two weeks. Let's finish this together. And I was like, what (laughs) way I was like finished with you. I've been chasing you. I've been like, I feel like I'm going to die out here. Why would I have tried so hard if we were just going to hold hands and finish? And then I was like, no way. And I took off and I dropped him and he was gone. That was it. And then, uh, I realized he's gone. I was like, Oh my God. And then I was like, paranoid. He's going to get me. Then my electronic shifting died again. And I was Mm -hmm. like, Oh dear God, he's going to get me, you know? And so then I fix it. I shove a couple batteries down my, my seat tube. And then, uh, yeah. And then I just rode to the finish, like consistently, but it's like, even that scenario, I know, I'm sure, you know, from being like Ironman, I was like, you're like, you have to pee. And then you're like, I was like, 
am I going to stop to pee? So I did, I'd be like in a field, like throw my bike down, pee, get back on my bike and go looking behind me. Like, is he coming? But in the end I, I beat him by like two hours. He Amazing. just totally dropped off. <laughs> and I'm so happy to be done. I think I was more happy to be finished than to have one. <laughs> I'm so over it. <laughs> yes. I believe that it, I can't even imagine an 18 day race. Oh, like that's just God. like, I'm mind blown by that. So on behalf of womanhood though, I would like to say <laughs> on behalf of all of womankind, thank you for not holding hands and finishing. Oh my I God. Like- I had like people write me, they write me like messages after that. They're like, we did it. Yeah. <laughs> we that's all how did I feel it. right now. Yeah. <laughs> Like I'm somehow part of this. I mean, every people are like just shouting at their computer screen as they're watching like my little dot go across the country. Because <laughs> that's the that. only thing they could see. Yeah. You know, we just have trackers. That's it. Yeah. Do you think there's something specific about us as women that make us good at these long distance events? Like, what do you think? Yeah, that is? absolutely. I think women have huge capacity for these events because uh, our pain tolerance is higher. We recover faster we're smaller, so we don't need to consume as many calories. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what else. I think also the level of resilience, you know, it's like, especially because women are so underrepresented in the sport, the ones that do show up have had to overcome people doubting them for their, for their entire lives. You know, that's mm-hmm. like the thing I've thought about more is that it's not so much that you're like, it's not that you're not allowed to be there. It's just to get there, you had to tell people, yeah, I can do this. Mm-hmm. Or you, and then you had to tell yourself that too. It's mm-hmm. like constantly being questioned and doubted is, is kind of a negative experience, you know? Yeah. So to make it there, even, even while I'm racing, people will be like, oh, could you actually ride to the finish? You know, not even like, could you win? Can you make it? I'm people like, would say that to you? Yeah. They're like, that's a fucking crazy thing to say to people. Like, I would never say that to somebody, you know? Yeah. Do you think it's, that, and you think that's a gender thing? Did you read it I like do, that? I do. Yeah. Cause I yeah. don't think they say that to a man. Yeah. Or maybe they, you know? <laughs> wow. yeah, isn't that weird? I think it's that questioning, doubting. Cause it's also like, also women listen, you know, right. it's like generally not all whatever, but mostly it's like, if somebody's having a conversation with you, you listen to what they have to say and you think about it. Yeah. I think guys response to be more like whatever, dude, you know, right. <laughs> Like, like, but I don't like, care what you think. Like, hmm, this guy probably has like a point. Yeah. So and how it do turns you keep, out he doesn't, you know? Right. Like, how do you keep that voice clear in your own head? You know, like if, if you get that, when you get those negative messages, how do you think, like, how do you I keep mean, yourself lit, like centered as I Lael? I think like I used to, it used to like make me angry, mm-hmm. you know? And then I'd want to respond and like beat them. Mm-hmm. But I'd be like that guy with that orange backpack, I'm beating him, you know, like specifically. Right. <laughs> uh, but then I think, you know, because I have results now and like all this experience that people don't doubt me as much. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, now the thing happens where it's like, they don't doubt me, but they try to figure out a way that I'm cheating or a way that my oh, results ouch. don't count. Yes. Which I am like, oh, that's so nasty. Yes. I had that experience like, too. Oh. Of, yeah. of being accused of cheating. Cause I had raced like one time I'd raced at like a, like a stage in my cycle where I didn't perform that well. And so I had to act, like a run a marathon, like an hour faster the next week. This is like off the bike in, Whoa, in Ironman. That's and cool. people said, Oh, she must be cheating because she wasn't 
she didn't do as well last week. I'm like, do you know anything about female physiology? Like, yeah. I like everybody has a couple off days, you know? Right. Um, actually yeah. I'll, I'll ask you that question. Cause you're out there for how many days, 18 days. Right. So like yeah. hormonally, you're not going to be in the same place in your cycle. Like, did you notice any of that? Uh, no, you know, cause I think I felt like such garbage overall <laughs> that I, <laughs> Like, I love it. Be able to tell a difference, you know, yeah. like, oh God, you know, you're not performing at your best. You're like, you feel pretty good day one. And then after that, it's just like, you're just trying to keep moving to the best of your ability. Yeah. But I do feel like the whole thing definitely goes through waves of how I feel. And a lot of it has to do with how much pain I'm experiencing. Mm-hmm. And then like, oh, the transient, like the first week, my knees were killing me. Cause I'm on a road bike and it's such a grind. And I'm like, God, this is just unreal. Then it went away and I'm like, Oh, Weird. they don't hurt anymore. That's yeah. crazy. It's like, yeah. how is that even possible? You yeah. see like these things come and go and you're like, Oh God. But I mean, every morning getting on my saddle, I'd be like, Oh my God. I felt like my seat was going to like erupt in flames. Right. <laughs> I was like, this is awful. I was, I'd like have to make friends with my saddle for like 10 minutes where I'm like, yeah. okay, just sit down and deal with it. Right. And then it would, and then that pain would go away too, you know? So it was like, yeah. Everything like becomes normal over time, mm-hmm. I guess. You How know, did I you mean, deal with that stuff? Like the saddle stuff, like saddle sores or keeping well, things good down there. Yeah. I mean, I ride without a chamois. So <laughs> I think that helps for hygiene. Cause I just cut it out. And yeah. then I'm just like, I can rinse my shorts out because that's the other thing is so self-supported. You're not going to bring like extra clothes. Yeah. So it's like the same shorts every day. Oh. So a chamois that would get so gross. And then a lot yeah. of people have dealt with saddle stores, I think, because their chamois like, you know, it's sponge, it's yeah. not clean. So that can cause problems, especially in the heat. Um, but yeah, I just rinse my shorts out like in a sink and then they dry pretty fast. So that was okay. I mean, I think the most pain I experienced was in my hands and feet. Mm. Cause it's like, those are the other contact points. It's like your seat, your hands, your feet. Right. Did you get that numbness numbness? Like I remember having like long cycling training weeks where I'd do like 25 hours of cycling or something in a week. Uh, uh, this is like what you would do in two days, but like, it's like, or, or last a day and a half, but like, I would, I'd end up with a claw hand. Yeah. You know, that's Did freaky. I get that sometimes mostly from riding like flat bar, like yeah. mountain bike handlebar, my handle like claw. And then I have to like push my fingers out. Yeah. So I try to ride more with drop bars if I can, cause I feel like it's better for my hands. Uh, but really like after any long race, like all the skin will peel off my palms. Right. So gross. But that's just what happens. Or my feet will just be like killing me. Cause it's like, they're just in these little cycling shoes. Now I size up my shoes, like a full size just to account mm-hmm. for swelling. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's like a lot better. Cause I'm not like jamming my feet into my shoes. I wear them kind of looser too. So it's not so, right. so much pressure, but like, that's the thing is like, if I'm more comfortable, then I'll ride faster. Cause if you're in pain, you slow down, you know, right. so I'm looking for all these solutions for like comfort, then that'll be more miles per day. Yeah. You know? And I'll be happier. Yes. And, and how do you deal with pain mentally? Like when it, when something starts to happen and you're like, okay, I, I have to work through this. Like you said, you, your knee hurt, you worked through it. It went away after a week or whatever. Like, oh how God. do you, what do you tell yourself? I mean, I try, I tell myself it won't last forever. And mm-hmm. then like some, 
I mean, I think the kind of, this is a little sick, but I feel like I've, I don't care as much. I'm just mm-hmm. like, bah, whatever. It's just there, you know, but then like some pain is worse than others or, or some discomfort, like, especially stuff like your stomach feels off and then you have to keep eating or your mm-hmm. mouth, like, mm-hmm. Oh man, the transient was so hot. I had like this huge split in my lip. Mm-hmm. And then this lady at a gas station, like gave me chapstick. <laughs> That's like a gift. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> oh God. I had like, I was so sunburned and like my, all my skin peeled off twice. I looked mm-hmm. like, like walking dead. You know, I looked so bad. Somebody like these people that were out on the road, I was stopping to like fix a flat. Yeah. And they, like there was this other cyclist there and they're like, she said she's okay, but we, we think she crashed. <laughs> and then this guy was like, nope, that's just like- what she looks like. <laughs> I looked so bad. They're, they're having, I love how they're having a discussion as if you're not there. Like, you know, and I'm just we, like, what are we going to do about this? This person who looks all ragged. Like, how do we deal with her? Like, what would they do? You know, yeah. I'm just like over there with my tire lever, like cursing. <laughs> oh, Have you God. ever had anyone like, because I can understand how like after 17 days, say out on your own, like you would look pretty rough. Like oh, anyone like would. Feral. Right. Like do people, have you ever had anyone want to like call the oh. authorities or like buy oh, you a pizza oh, or like, oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> they totally do that kind of stuff. They're like, you know, like one guy was like, you know, what do you need? And I was like, actually, I really need a dry pair of socks. Mm-hmm. And he gave me his. Oh, wow. <laughs> like off his feet. I think so. <laughs> oh, this is amazing. <laughs> oh, my wow. God. Stuff like that. I mean, like, that is pretty cool, though. I have had people like, like cut in front of me in line to pay for like my breakfast. Mm-hmm. So cute. Oh, you're like, oh, yeah, I got hers. Oh yeah, she ordered like four breakfasts on me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, because you're just eating like a maniac, you know. I mean, they. I think they think I'm crazy, and then at that point, I probably am. Right, like sleep deprived, and yeah, Yeah, and I'm like dirty, and (laughs) oh, you painted quite the picture. This is amazing. (laughs) Endurance sports should be accessible to everyone, right? That's why we are so excited to be partnering with Motive. Motive is one of the fastest growing training apps in the world today with thousands of amateur athletes signing up every month and a nearly perfect 4.9 star rating in the app store. You are not a template and your training plan should not be either. Prepare for running races, triathlons, cycling events, duathlons, or swim runs, however your season schedule shapes up, and get training written by some of the best coaches in the world in each discipline who know what it takes to help amateur athletes reach their goal on race day. The app takes the training written by those experts and then creates the most optimal training plan for your schedule, abilities, and goals. Plus, the training is fully customized to your race schedule. How much you can train each week, your current abilities, and the goals you want to achieve in your race. You can use the app for free as long as you want or get all the upgraded features from the app for just $19.99 a month. 
But as a feisty listener, you can sign up at mymotive.com and use the code FEISTY for two months of full premium access. That's right, you get two months of premium for free. So you quite literally have nothing to lose. So head over to mymotive.com, M-Y-M-O-T-T-I-V.com and use the code FEISTY, F-E-I-S-T-Y. And on a personal note, I know the founder of Motive and he is driven to make triathlon and all endurance sports more accessible for the athletes who care about their performance, but who aren't quite ready for a full-time personal coach. If that sounds like you, definitely try the app for two months for free. You literally have nothing to lose. As we head into summer, rest and recovery are critical for improving sports performance, reducing stress, and living a long and healthy life. We should all invest in better sleep. So, think about the thing you lay your head on for eight hours a night. If it's not exactly right for you, it can lead to needless tossing and turning, or worse, have you waking up with an unrelenting kink in your neck. My new Lagoon pillow has helped me improve my sleep immensely by pairing me with the performance pillow that has everything I need. So, I personally was matched with the Otter pillow, shout out to team otter which i love because it has a gentle cooling effect and i was able to choose how much stuffing i wanted in it which is super important to me because i'm doing a decent amount of crossfit these days and my shoulders are kind of creaky so having a pillow that is stuffed just to the right height keeps my neck and head in exactly the right position and comfortable for the entire night And as of fall 2023, Lagoon launched their 100% Mulberry Silk pillowcases. It's cool to the touch, buttery soft, and great for your skin and hair. You've got to go check out this pillowcase if you want to feel great and look great every morning. Waking up for morning workouts has never felt better. I'm refreshed and pain-free thanks to my Lagoon pillow. To check it out for yourself, go to lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance and take the two minute sleep quiz to find your perfect pillow match and then use the code performance for 15% off your first purchase. That's code performance at lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance, whole 15% off and the link is in the show notes. You can just click through there. Um, okay, I wanted to, I wanted to back a, a bit because I read somewhere and I had a similar experience in my life, like that you remember being ten years old and being disappointed that you couldn't play sports with the boys. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, tell me a bit about that. Yeah, I remember that, like being a kid, because that's like something you have to learn. You're like little, and you're racing boys, and you're playing with them, you know, up until you're probably like maybe up until you're twelve. Mm-hmm. And then at some point people like tell you that you're like, you're not going to play against them anymore. You know, mm-hmm. that you're going to be in the women's or the girls division that you're going to be racing only girls. And I'm like, what? And then I remember feeling just terrible. Like, Oh God, like I'm never going to be as fast as them. I'm not as strong as them. Mm-hmm. I can't be like, I can't play in the NBA. 
you know, cause you don't know that, yes. you know, yeah. and it's such a bummer. And then, yeah. So then I, I just remember feeling so disappointed about that as a kid. And then you're like, well, there's nothing I can do. I still love sports. I still want to play sports. So you just do what you can. And then, and then I was so just so thrilled that I could get into this specific weird form of racing ultra endurance, where it's like, you can't beat all the guys right. and then they hate it. And I mean, that's also like a thing is like, you know, in this endurance world, it's like women weren't even allowed to compete. Women weren't even allowed to run the marathon until like what the seventies. Yeah. They felt, they thought that they, that we couldn't. Right? Yeah. Like until it was at least unhealthy like the 60s. or yeah. bad for you or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and then it turns out that that's actually where women excel, mm-hmm. you know, and actually like beat that gender does not really play a factor in, in the races. I mean, I feel like women could do this. They're just not as many showing up, but once we get like more women showing up for these races, especially great athletes, yeah. you know, then we'll start seeing more of these results. Cause like, yeah. I don't even feel like I'm that good of an athlete. I'm just showing up and giving it my all, you right. know? And then I'm like, what about all these other women that are like awesome athletes? Let's get them out there and see you know, see what they can do. Yeah. So I feel exactly like that as well. I think I read somewhere that like you're by observation, there's only about 10% of the field in that those long distance cycling events that are women. So like in my mind immediately, I'm like, okay, what happens when we have 50% women or right. more? And then the talent pool gets deeper and richer. Like we already have women winning over all these races. Like we could dominate, right? Right. Imagine if the top three finishers were women. Uh-huh. I mean, that would be so amazing, you know? I just got chills. Yeah, it's so cool. But it's like if 10 out of 200 are women, you know, getting three of the 10 to be the top three, that's, those are some hard odds. Yeah. So we just need more women to show up that want to do it. And also more women to even know this is a possibility. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just think, I don't think it's totally that they don't want to be there. I think it's part of it is that they don't even know this exists. Right. Yeah. And that's the culture piece, right? Like we talk about, you know, we talk about culture on this podcast in four, in our four pillars, which is like physiology, nutrition, mental health, and culture. And so it, I feel like those things are always intertwined and like what we Mm -hmm. believe about ourselves and what we're capable of as humans, you know, is intertwined with like how we see our own physiology or even the sports science studies that are done. Like we can't, sort of separate those things out. And, and I feel like sometimes the events that we're doing that we, now I'm just including us all womankind are doing doing better at are these events that include all of those layers, like where like the mental aspects are, are more prominent um, or where like, like you just described, like you can go out there and be like mentally tougher, you know, Mm -hmm. than everyone else and just keep going and win. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think getting more women and and then it's like, well, maybe they see somebody like me win, you know, Mm. win the trans am and then they're like, oh, maybe I'm capable of that too. Yeah. And just by like some positive results, having a little more confidence to give it a go. Mm -hmm. And then also, I mean, that's the other thing too, is like, I, I love how this also makes men kind of question their own beliefs. Right. They're like, well, if that happened, that means it's possible. So mm-hmm. maybe I should stop doubting all the women around me. I mean, the first bikepacking race I did was in Israel. Mm-hmm. And there it's like a very much a culture where women are not 
competitive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they might mountain bike, but they're not supposed to push themselves or really go after competition. And I entered this bikepacking race. I was 850 miles. I was the only woman. Mm-hmm. I had like really bad equipment, uh, you know, platform pedals and sneakers and a cotton t-shirt. Mm-hmm. And I beat all the dudes. There were like 40 of them. <laughs> and they were just That's like, awesome. they couldn't believe it. They right. were just like, that how is that even possible? Like uh-huh. she didn't even have because they're like obsessed with gear too. And they're like, how did she do it with an eight speed? You know? And, yeah. and then it was like, but then it like made the whole community kind of rethink like what women are capable of, you know, mm-hmm. what you can do out there. And I and then they're like, you know, having all these forums in Hebrew about that I'm like a genetic mutation. Oh, really? <laughs> like on the internet? Like X-Men. Yeah. And then I'd be like, I'd have to like Google translate this stuff because I don't speak Hebrew. <laughs> no, and then oh, I'm that's like, amazing. Reading this, and I'm like, what? Yeah, like if we think it's culturally <laughs> jarring here when a woman wins, or right. people don't like you said the negative comments that you got, like like here, let alone like in a place like Israel, which I have been to and I used to study, so um, I can speak to a little bit. Like that would be even more sort of culturally kind yeah. of like what just happened. But then it's so motivating because you're like, wow, by actually doing these races, this could change the way people think and mm-hmm. then change like how they treat people in the future. And you're like, mm-hmm. that's what I want to see. You mm-hmm. know, it's like letting women be athletes, yeah. you know, and I feel like I'm coming into it. It's so much better of a time than people, the previous generation had. Yeah. So I'm like, I feel super grateful, but I know there's a lot of room, uh, to progress and to like, let women have more chances and feel confident being out there. Yeah. I, I really related to your childhood story too, because I had a similar experience of being like, just kind of growing up and with my group of friends or with my classmates, I would always be one of the top, like two or three, like in gym class. Yeah. And I picked up physical things really quickly and I experienced myself to be an athlete. And it is, it's like quite jarring when you realize, like, I think I realized by watching television and just observing like who's on TV as an athlete, who's getting paid the big bucks as an athlete. Um, And I thought, I, I often wonder like, what would have happened if we were lived in a culture that went, wait a second, like these are the top, these are the kids that are good at this. Like I was in the top, say like 10% or whatever of my class at physical things. Like what if they'd, what if we developed girls the same way we did boys? Like what would happen? You know, I often think about that because there's so much potential there. Right. Exactly. Instead you were like fighting for a chance to do something instead of being encouraged to do it. Yeah. And I think even I, like, you know, I think I have to own that too, because even I internalized that Right. You know, like that notion of like what I was capable of too. And then you hit puberty and things get awkward, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> and, and so it goes right? <laughs> or you get other interests. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was such a sore loser too. So I think that kind of went into that where like, mm-hmm. I hated losing, but then when you realize you don't even, you're not even going to get a chance, mm-hmm. you know, then it's just so kind of crushing. Totally. Just like, Oh, this is how life is. Yeah. It's just, yeah. But then it isn't, you know, you can't compete in everything. I'm never going to beat anybody beat like the men's field running the hundred meter dash, but, right. uh, maybe 4,000 miles I could, you know? Yeah. Well, and I feel the same way. Like I found a way to be a professional athlete, you know, like yeah. it wasn't going to be my original sport, which was soccer because I didn't see yeah. a path there. So I just picked something that where I saw a path. Yeah, totally. You know? It sounds like totally. you did something similar. What would you say to parents who are raising girls now? 
Oh man, I don't know what I would say beyond, because like the thing was my parents weren't like very, they, I guess I, I really appreciate how my parents were like not pushy, but they like allowed us to kind of pursue the things we were into, mm. you know? And, and I think maybe that was the best because I, I also feel like girls at like a young age, if, if they're too pushed into sports, it's just such a track for burnout. Right. You know, so I actually am like pretty grateful that I got into cycling later in life because I don't know if it would have been as much fun, mm-hmm. you know, to do it in a competitive way at a young age. Right. Um, and then you wouldn't be able to show up in jean shorts and beat all the, <laughs> all yeah, the men in Israel. Exactly. <laughs> you know, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, letting your kids, letting your girls kind of pursue their passions. Mm-hmm. I also think you know, something I do is this girls program where it's like, mm, it's all girls ask. women mentors. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I think it's super important for girls to spend time with different women, different confident women, mm-hmm. to see kind of that there's such a variety of things you could do and approaches you could take and stories of how you could get there. And I think that, you know, I always had male coaches growing up, which was fine. I liked them, but I think it's really leaves an impression if, if you spend time with women doing stuff when you're younger. Um, yeah. and maybe not, you know, not necessarily in a competitive way, but just spending time outside with other women doing things and like kind of showing you the way, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, a, it's just a different vibe. Yeah. So tell us it's, is it called Anchorage grit? Have I got yes. that right? What is yeah. the program that you run? Yeah. So the program is Anchorage grit. Now I'm starting a Tucson grit here in Tucson, Arizona. Oh, cool. uh-huh. Um, but we ride together with 11, this in Tucson will be 11 to 13 year old girls, mm-hmm. uh, for five weeks to build up to a, uh, overnight camp out. And it's girls that are not super athletic, but, uh, and most of them are low income. So we provide the bikes and the equipment right together after school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then do a camp out ride And I started doing it in Anchorage with a friend because we were both like, Oh, we didn't ride bikes growing up. You know, mm-hmm. how fun would that have been? And that's such an age where girls stop being active. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, you're, you always play and you do all this stuff when you're young, everybody kind of does that. And then at a certain age, it's like, you have different pressures. You're trying to kind of fit in. And, and a lot of girls that are not good at sports, just stop doing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause it's like, it's, it's not fun to do stuff. You're not good at, but if you're just being active on a bike, then it's not a competition, you know? So right. Right. Yeah, like so it's just like, getting that enjoyment piece and grain. Yeah. And it's like, you yes. could, it could be social, you know, yeah. it can be like such a good outlet for kind of all the emotions you're going through. You can actually get places, you know, before you have a car. Right. So it's such a cool tool to uh-huh. give a bike to a 12 year old and see what they do with it. Yeah. And see what they think about while they're outside, like riding through different places. You yeah. Know? I love that. Okay. So this so is you're one of our headline speakers at the feisty women's performance summit. And based on this conversation, I'm so excited to hear um, from you at the summit, but in the meantime, um, what would you, what advice would you give to any woman right now? Who's like maybe feeling nervous about taking on a big adventure or a big goal. What would you tell her? Yeah, I would tell her to, you know, just to go for it. And also to like build in something that gives you confidence for the bigger goal. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's like, if you want to go on a bike packing trip, you want to ride the great divide route down the Rockies, go for an overnight from home, figure right. out how that goes, take out some of the scary aspects of it, like yeah. be in a familiar place, but carry what you think you're going to need for the night, 
ride somewhere, camp out, ride home, see how that went. Yeah. You know, then you'll figure out what you like to eat, uh, what you need for camping, you know, these other things that are in a place that's familiar, right. or you want to do an endurance event, like, and you want to ride through the night for this, like racing unbound XL, but it's like, <laughs> maybe do that when you're not racing ride through the night with a friend, you know, and see how it goes, see how your body responds. Yeah. Um, taking like the competition out of it, like it could, could be helpful. Right. Like, or even taking, like, I love that, like sub goals of your goal. Like where yeah. do I, what do I need to do in order to believe that I can do the bigger right? Goal? And get started as fast as you can, mm, you know, instead of like kind of sitting in fear or anticipation, just, just do a piece of it. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, then that will give you the next idea of the, the next part of it you need to work on mm-hmm. or, or like, what's going to make it successful. What, how are you going to have more fun out there? Mm-hmm. Cool. I love that. Okay. How can we follow you on your adventures? Where do we find you? Mostly it's just on Instagram. Now, uh, my name, Leah Wilcox. I also have a bunch of different free videos on YouTube from different races and rides. Uh, most of them are for my wife, Rue. Um, <laughs> and it's so cool to kind of look back at the things we've gotten to do together. Um, yeah. And that's it for now. Cool. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Um, everyone you can hear again from Lael at our feisty women's performance summit, March 25th to 27th, and it is virtual. So anyone can attend and you also get access to all of those videos for the rest of the year. So if you're not available those days, it's all good. Um, Lael, thank you so much for being here. Awesome. Thanks for having me.